0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't, don't shun the, the, the devil with your rock can. and roll, Lord. No. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil oh. groove in that rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you some in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. And it's decorative gourd season, motherfuckers. Yeah, it is.
2: <laughs> it's spooky season, buddy.
1: Yes, it is. What's uh what's what's everyone been up to so far? We're now weirdly almost halfway through spooky yeah. season. How's it going for y'all? Southern? I, probably the, you're probably the most impacted by the season,
3: right? Yeah. yeah
2: I mean opened up Cafe de l'Enfer, the Cafe from Hell, um, which is <laughs> uh you know, I feel like it is my partner's prerogative to name all of the places things that people don't know or understand. So I feel like I always have to <laughs> say the thing and then say what it means in English. Um, so uh, the Café from Hell has been opened. It's an absinthe and champagne bar in a very sort of 1920s Victorian era goth atmosphere. Lots of crushed velvet and melted candle wax. we got a six-foot gargoyle in the corner. Um and it's been going really well. Uh, I think that it's obviously appropriate to the season, but you, I, I'm personally, I'm shocked at how many, I guess I just didn't realize how many of the goth walk among us here in New York City.
1: Oh, um, yes. Especially are, this, this is when they come out too. This is when they come out from their, from their hibernation in the summertime.
2: Yeah, they're excited about the space um, and it's been going really well. Um, I encourage you to come out and see it. It's lots of fun.
1: Yeah, man, I was I was there again uh, on Sunday. I had the um, what's it called the backhand, which is the one that has um, creme de cacao and absinthe in it, which is a combination I had never thought of before. And so you're going to hate this, but I mean this is a compliment. Uh, It tasted like grabbing a fistful of jelly beans when you're four and just like shoving them all in you, regardless of what (laughs) flavor they are. But it got you a little (laughs) bit buzzed, and I was like, this is fun. This wow. is in keeping with the spirit. Yeah. It was like yeah. a little bit little bit of chocolate, a little bit of absinthe. They didn't actually a hundred percent gel. And I think that was part of the fun of it, is that there was still like a little bit of kind of like conflict and in interest in the in the drink, which I thought was pretty dope.
2: Sure. The bridge between those two flavors in that particular drink is coffee. It's got uh, the cafe amaro from Jay Rieger in there as well. Um so it's like this coffee cacao absinthe situation that's Mm. Again, you're right. Pretty intriguing for the palate. It knocks you around a little bit. Wow, you guys are
3: going dark over there. Yeah, I, over the weekend, I went, see the lighting. <laughs> yeah. I went. I went pumpkin shopping with my family and their dog <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> it was like, it couldn't be more opposite than you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's so wholesome. It's a nice little Saturday. Very wholesome. Yeah. Yeah are you going
2: so what's the deal with the pumpkin is it slated to be carved is it slated to be pie what's going to happen
3: i mean both you know yeah. it's but you know <laughs> you can't really um i guess you get about 2 weeks of of you know pretty decently uh preserved carved pumpkin and so you know i it's it, here's the thing about halloween to me uh, that that i like about this holiday season is that you can't carve jack o lanterns too early, you know. People around my neighborhood already have Christmas lights up. We already we've been talking about this for the last three weeks, right? But yeah. there's something cool about that particular part of the holiday season. Like you can't do it too early.
2: Yeah, right? they start to deteriorate pretty quickly. There, yeah. there is one small technique. As a strangely, I know you're going to say something. I don't uh, care. Know, I, used, I, used, I used to be. I used to be. I, don't run I my to, point. I used, to, I used to. I used to carve ice you know, uh, and, and other fruits and vegetables, uh, you want to preserve them and make them last longer. Your, your pumpkins, et cetera, you rub them down pretty liberally after you carve them with Vaseline um, and they'll last a little longer. That's, That's my Halloween spooky season
3: tip for everybody. Okay. <laughs> keep, keep your weird goth uh, traditions. <laughs> in your goth I don't
2: want Listen, I'm not the goth. It's all Robbie. This place is all <laughs> Robbie. I'm just here for the drinks guys. Gotcha. Um, That's uh, a good again, name for I, a book. I, I've, I've mentioned it a, a, a few times. Uh, if if Robbie and I were friends in, in high school, uh, I was punk. He was goth. I would have been kicking his ass on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I do have one other thing I'd like to just shout out there. Um, the return of two weeks notice. Uh, we haven't done it in over the length of the pandemic, of course, but it's back. Uh, it's going to be on uh, the 24th. Uh, it's our service where we do three drinks and three snacks that I prepare Um, And it's an educational event as well. And it's coming back on October 24th. We just launched it on Sunday because we launched it two weeks out. That's why we call it two weeks notice. Uh, And we've already sold almost all the tickets. So it's going to be a real good time. And I'm psyched to see that people are excited to come back and do it again. Cool.
3: Yeah. That was always fun whenever you had that going before. Actually you know, have-
2: it's like edutainment, you know? Yeah. Uh, and this one is going to be hosted by all three drinks. Are, you, We get the drinks sponsored, and all three drinks this time are sponsored by one company, Milam and Green, who makes delicious whiskey out of Texas, Heather Green. Um, and oh, Heather's yeah. going to be in town, and she's going to be there for each seating. So you get this extra sort of bonus layer when someone from the company is there. So she's going to be there to talk to us about whiskey, and I'm going to make some fun drinks. Well, Bruce is making fun drinks. I re- I reverse-engineer and make the food to match the drinks um so that's what we're up to right now it's yeah.
3: fun speaking of fun drinks i actually have a plug too you just reminded me of um Cats. Grand, yeah grand army's new menu is out and uh, you know we did our nicholas cage themed menu we always do a theme menu every season um pretty wacky stuff last season was all nicholas cage themed which is went over pretty well people loved it um, <laughs> a
2: national treasure that menu
3: yeah right <laughs> thank you thank you um but we uh We released our new menu over the weekend. I drank
2: my face off,
3: (laughs) dude. Like, did you like work some shifts there and like throw around puns with the staff? Because this is. Oh, he's been sitting on these all summer long. I've
2: been waiting. I've been waiting.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah, So, cats is the new theme, and uh, not, and it even says on the the menu, cats, not the musical. (laughs) <laughs> um, but that's like famous cats through history and like, you know, and it, it kind of, unfortunately coincided with a good friend of ours, Brad Thomas Parsons lost his cat, Lewis. Um, and, yeah. uh, so we, we dedicated the menu to, uh, to the memory of Lewis. So it's, it's been going over really Lewis well. Lewis, you
2: know? a, a famous cat in his own right in, in, yeah. in the circle that we live in anyway.
3: He uh, inspired the book distillery cats and yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, he's famous, famous kitty mixologist. Um, and,
2: and Brad's such a sweetheart, feeling really bad for him. He's been pretty vocal about the pain that this is caused right. him. So that's very sweet of you to dedicate the menu to him. You know, you should grab, I, I think you should grab some copies of the book. I bet you'd sell a few cats books if you were during the cat's
3: menu. You know, we actually sell all of his books at Grand oh, yes. Army. And yes. when, when we, um, and not to take any business from Amoria Margo's book solution, no. but, um, You know, it's one of those things that during the pandemic we decided we were going to sell some stuff. We didn't want to necessarily just sell cocktails, and we didn't we didn't even really try to sell booze so much. We made new merch for Grand Army, which was probably the the dumbest move financially uh, during a pandemic. You know, where there's all this uncertainty, we were like, let's make some new crazy merch. Let's make a lot of it. (laughs) You know, we did stuff that we never done before. We made sweatpants. Um, Yeah, and. That, that actually went over really well. But um the, the books were important because people had a lot of time to read, and especially books like that one that's really lighthearted. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff happening yeah. right
2: now. There's lots of fun stuff going on, um, and even more fun stuff going on in the virtual studio today as we welcome in our guest, Laura Newman from Birmingham, Alabama. Laura, welcome to the studio. Welcome back. Oh,
4: hi. Welcome, welcome back. back. Oh, boys. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
2: Love to hear your voice. Uh, Wish we could be in the same room together.
4: Um, Always.
2: uh, What's going on? How's (laughs) your spooky season?
4: (laughs) Uh, It's not, it doesn't feel like spooky season here because it's 85 degrees and I'm wearing shorts, but uh, you know, maybe I will blast the AC and watch Hocus Pocus and try and get in the spirit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And you just got off a plane basically from Jamaica where you spent the last week, right?
4: I did. Yeah, my, um, my mom and I are super close. I'm really lucky to have a great relationship with her. Um, I think, yeah, I was gonna say, Damon, I can't remember if you've met her, Greg, you haven't, but she Southern, I mean, she comes to see you all the time. And Mm -hmm. um, I think she's actually about to come see you again soon. But she uh, you know, she broke her leg kind of midway through the pandemic, really serious break. We didn't know if she'd walk again, um, but Ooh. she's back on her feet because she's a badass. And, yep. uh, yeah, we wanted to kind of celebrate that and celebrate, you know, some lo- lowering uh, case numbers by going to Jamaica.
2: Well, I'd like Very to cool. point out that she didn't just break her leg. She broke her leg doing some pretty intense skiing. She's a pretty athletic woman.
4: She's extremely athletic. That's the only reason she was able to walk afterwards, which is amazing. She's very inspiring. It it
2: wasn't just your typical, I snapped my bone. It was some
4: shattering, right? She broke it in five places. Um, Yeah, it was really hardcore. (laughs) I probably wouldn't walk again after that.
2: Yeah. Um Well, we got you on the air because we want to talk to you about a bunch of junk. Um, Most notably, of course, your two very thriving businesses down there in Birmingham, and one of them that's been open for a couple of years, we've spoken to you about before, uh, which is Queens Park, and the other one that you opened during the pandemic, which seems like a risky maneuver, called Neon Moon. Um, Give us a little bit in brief for the refreshment of our um, listeners' memory uh, about Queens Park, and then I want to talk to you a lot about Neon Moon.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, you could say it's a risky endeavor. You could also say that, you know, I'm a complete masochist, which is why I decided to open a a cocktail bar in March of 2021. But it's not really a cocktail bar, actually. It's like a nightclub. Um, Queen's Park, which is my first bar, I opened it in 2018, I want to say. It's in downtown Birmingham. The city had already had some cocktail bars, although, you know, it's definitely a smaller market city. So nothing like super huge and not nothing super huge, but just it was, it had a really cool homegrown cocktail scene, which I love and was really inspired by. Um, But coming from New York and having worked in, you know, at different programs in New York, I wanted to do something a little more inspired by my time there. Um, So it's a classic cocktail bar, first and foremost, like, I think we have about 50 classic cocktails in our menu, which changes every year. And then there's a seasonal menu, uh, kind of ahead of that. That's more like five or six drinks and changes quarterly. Um, and it, it, I mean, just really took off. It's been super successful. We were lucky that, um, even though my profits weren't what they normally are during the pandemic, um, you know, we definitely stayed afloat and were able to keep our whole team pretty much hired, which was great. And, uh, and right before COVID happened, we had just signed a lease on another space. And when you can't get out of a lease, you just got to open a bar. <laughs>
3: there
2: you go. Yeah, got to keep marching forward. Um, I think that landlords were not, uh, I don't know, kind? Is that a good word? They yeah, if there, uh, was,
1: if there was one big winner of the pandemic, it was landlords. Yeah,
4: I definitely do want to give props to the landlord for this new space because he worked. I mean, he really bent over backwards to be like, you know, I can't break this lease necessarily. But like, I want to make sure that you guys are like financially ready to do this. But I mean, he pushed back our start date by like months and months and months. He really did do his best to make it, you know, a situation where we could still pursue this thing we'd wanted to do. But at the same time, you know, not be totally breaking the bank. In a year when our profit margin was very low. Well, sure, sure, oh, yeah. sure.
1: And I don't, you know, obviously not all landlords are, you know, uh, taking baths in tubs full of gold coins. You know, there are, there are, there, there are people too. There are good ones and there are bad ones. I mean, I, <clears throat> my landlord at the beginning of my, of the pandemic, when I lost my job, really saved my ass by just being like, yeah, you know, just pay me, pay me back the rent whenever you can, which he didn't have to do, but he did. But yeah, yeah it was, it was more just that, you know, there are there there was not a lot of incentives for people to be nice so when they were like it sounds like your landlord was it actually almost i think makes it a better relationship because it's like wow you didn't have to cut me the slack but the fact that you did mean that it's it's not going to be a pain in the ass working with you
4: yeah you're absolutely right it did kind of stand out especially speaking to other people who didn't get that experience
2: yeah i mean uh, me being one of them um and I also just think that you know it's it's smart of a landlord to make these concessions during these difficult and strange times because this is a relationship, man. You know, you, you you've signed a deal, meaning you're going to be in a relationship with someone for a decade. Um, so it's it's best to have it be on good footing. I think.
3: You know what I would like to talk about is Birmingham as a scene. Yeah, because yes. there's it seems to be like you, know, you have two bars there now. You mentioned that there were other cocktail bars um, mm-hmm. there previously and. There's also, like, a um, my old boss, Linnell, opened up her shop down in Birmingham.
4: Um, That's right.
3: Yeah. So I used to work at Linnell's LTD, which is a small, like, boutique spirit shop in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Um, she moved down to Mexico for a while, but then she's back in, in Birmingham, where she's from, and she opened up her shop there, and she's doing really crazy, creative stuff, like she always has. And uh, so it seems like there's, like, really some, like, magic happening in Birmingham. Can you kind of expand on what, what the scene's like there?
4: Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, as a born and raised New Yorker, it was obviously a bit of a culture shock because it is in the South. But I like to tell people when they think of Alabama, a lot of people think of like my cousin Vinny, like they think that I live on a farm and I'm like eating grits and like I don't know what else, like the tropes from that film, but um Birmingham is pretty different culturally from the rest of the state, which I and I think it kind of reminds me a little more of New York than other places in Alabama. Um, it's kind of like, it feels almost, and I don't want people listening in Birmingham to be like, you've totally mischaracterized this, but to me, it feels (laughs) almost like DIY. Like it's, there's, it's a lot because of the lower cost of living, you can afford to take more risks creatively as a bar or restaurant owner, Mm -hmm. which I love. Mm -hmm. And you can see just like people are being so creative and creating these really cool spaces maybe not even in the hospitality industry, but maybe like shops or services, um, in a way that you, you just don't see in New York because you know, you, you know, the person that you need to have invest millions of dollars into your business, isn't going to think that that's a good idea or like makes fiscal sense. So it's really cool to see these people like opening awesome spots. Like I have to give a shout out. One of my employees, uh, Cameron Williams, he, uh, like works at and I believe has ownership in this really cool like vintage but also new sort of shop um, for clothing but also like skateboards and skateboarding supplies called The Wood um, It's located in a neighborhood called Le Bon um, but super cool and he like does that when he's not working for me which I think is awesome he's you know really young and really hungry and was able to work with some friends to create this really cool space.
1: Thanks. That's amazing, man. And I I, I always love that about like, you know, and again, I'm with you. I don't want to sound like a coastal elitist here. But like, whenever I go to kind of smaller market cities, I'm always impressed by, like you said, the ability that that almost gives you to take risks and to build something that you really want to build, as opposed to, you know, oh, is this gonna work? If I open up like a grappa bar in Williamsburg? Oh, shit, someone else is opening up a grappa bar in Greenpoint. Fuck! Now mm-hmm. we're competing against each other, you know. Um, and I think it's it's so interesting to to see the fruits of that creativity. And it's also, I imagine, really cool to, like you said, kind of be not in sort of the you know the the defining not be part of the defining characteristics of what people think of when they think of Alabama. So you almost kind of get to push back against a lot of the preconceived notions that people might have when they come to visit Birmingham.
4: Yes. We just had a lot of people come to town actually, uh, for this music festival furnace fest and people, a lot of people are coming to the bars and being like, this is not what I imagined at all. I <laughs> mean, it's, uh, so many people, especially from larger cities are so surprised when they come here. But at the same time, I love living here because the cost of living is amazing. The weather is great. Um, You know, people are super hospitable. That Southern hospitality thing is definitely real. And like, you know, like, like Linnell, for example, like you were saying, Damon, like her shop here is super unique, like really, really cool. And I know she was doing really unique, different stuff in New York as well. But I feel like, you know, you have that creative freedom that you wouldn't, and financial freedom you wouldn't otherwise have.
3: Yeah. And she also, I think she, her entire staff is LGBTQ, right? Something like that. Or most of them. Um,
4: I don't right. know the definitive
3: answer thing. to that she's, but. she's she's like she's probably one of the most hospitable people I've like I learned a lot from her like whenever we would do like you know employee reviews and be like let's go on a picnic or you know she'd be like let's mm-hmm. all go to Martinique or you know and there was only like five of us who ever worked there <laughs> but uh it was like complete and it was it was really cool like the people more so than any other job that I've ever had like I've actually kept in contact with like everyone that I worked with. And that's easy to do because they're, like I said, there's only like five of us <laughs> ever. We got the work there, but um such wildly interesting people that um, I've been friends with for, you know, almost 15 years now. Um, can you, okay. So Queens park, let's go back to the, uh, also, well, I do want to say this real quick, Birmingham to me, like I've, I've actually never been there, but the way you were talking about it is in the way that I feel like a lot of people understand that like all of Texas is, it's not Austin and like Portland is not like Oregon, you know, it's like kind of a, the right the cool spot in the state that like, doesn't really necessarily represent the state as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that said, can you tell us, um, I want to hear more about Queens Park real quick because I know it's been <laughs> around for a while. I know that uh, my coworker out here in, in Napa, Ryan Herzog, uh, like came out and helped you uh, get started out there. Um, Yeah,
4: he worked our first uh, Miracle. We opened into Miracle because we're all, you know, masochists. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, QP is, it's cool. I mean, it's a really small space and I opened it, you know, I didn't want to take investors because I did want that creative control and I wanted to, you know, be able to make decisions without having to, you know, like ask, you know, this like paternal figure for more you know, for money or for the okay to spend their money. Um So we kind of made it on a shoestring budget, but I think it <laughs> turned out okay on the inside. And um yeah, we have a, we have a small team, although it has gotten larger as we opened the new space neon moon. So we cross train everyone, but we have kind of a core Queens and a core neon staff. And then there's a little bit of overlap, mostly just to keep people fresh on each bar. If there's an emergency, um, but uh, it's it's kind of like it's I mean it's named after obviously the hotel that birthed the swizzle um uh, so kind of like tropical um grand hotel vibes and it's it's cool I mean it's just it's like I think you know if you come from New York you're maybe not like blown away it's not like we're like doing anything like absolutely crazy but my whole thing is just like make it just you know make really awesome solid cocktails like have rotating frozen drinks and punch that, you know, we've kind of moved different staff members into leadership roles for and have those be really cool ways that we can express our creativity, Um, you know, have a really cool playlist that we work on a lot, like carry a really, I mean, we have like over 300 SKUs for our spirit selection, which I think is pretty impressive for a control state, just, you know, just trying to, you know, do one thing really well, which is great drinks.
3: I didn't even realize that Alabama was a control state. That's the can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That's it's that changes not
4: as bad as you think it like, I, I mean, I think so many people hear control state and it's like, I can't do anything, you know, this sucks, but it's, it's honestly not that bad. Um, it does. It actually is. Great for my uh, kind of social dance card because I end up staying in touch with national reps so much because I have to hound them <laughs> for product.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, we think yeah. about like Pennsylvania and, you know, like the Franklin Mortgage Company, you know, that's a very iconic classic cocktail bar. So, I mean, it can it can happen in control states. I mean, Oregon's a control state too, um, right? Isn't that Ohio, I think. Yeah. yeah uh, there are so, 13, 13, I
4: know. I, I forget which yeah. one's exactly. Utah, um, I think Maryland might be one. It's, they're all different. Which is the other crazy thing. They're like, no control state is the same. And so the people that work in control states, it's like someone will be like, I think that's the hardest, like most like underappreciated job maybe in a distributor or like spirits portfolio because control state, like the manager of control states, they're managing like 13 completely different systems of like ordering, inventory, stocking. Like it is, they're unsung heroes in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about um, some of the things you do for your staff at both uh, Queens Park and Neon Moon and how you're uh, taking care of them with benefits programs and other programs that you've installed to educate them and keep them interested in, and keep them, you know, and retain them. Um, but we, we should take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and keep talking to Laura Newman. We're going to get a little bit more into the business brass tax of what she's doing down in Birmingham at Queens Park and Neon Moon. Stay tuned.
1: Hey, Suther, you want to hear something cool about Laura Newman, who we're chatting with today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. What's up?
1: Uh, she is the first woman to win U.S. World Class with Diageo Bar Academy. That's incredible. I know. It's it's so awesome. I mean, it's just, it's, it's we get the best guests on this show. Uh, I, I love talking with people who are so accomplished and so humble and are able to use, you know, the platform that they get from... U S world-class to do really awesome shit like what she's doing down in Birmingham.
2: Yeah. I mean, world-class is the biggest competition in the industry and uh, it's, it's, it's powerful and meaningful to, to go as far as she went.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, if any of our listeners out there want their own shake at fame and stardom uh, applications are now open for world-class U S 2022.
2: Uh, Yeah. Applications are open until December 1st. So you got to get them going. Um, You want to do that, you got to visit diageobaracademy.com to explore world-class educational studios and apply to compete. Again, the largest competition in the industry uh, and applications are open to all hospitality professionals as long as you're 21, of course. Um, And Diageo Bar Academy has all the resources you need to prepare yourself to be a world-class bartender.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and and like you said, while you're there, why not check out all of the awesome master classes that they're offering right now, uh, including this really cool new one that you and I were just talking about. It is the batched on tap and canned cocktails classes. Like I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like every week there's a new RTD out there. Mm-hmm. Like this market is just absolutely huge, and Teaming. and yeah, and there's so much good stuff out there that it's really you know, something that I'm thinking like, man, I should really educate myself on what goes into these things, like how do these work? How do I build a good one? And there's a really awesome class on there right now from uh, Liam Davey and Laura Brady that is available for free that you should definitely go and check out.
2: Yeah, a couple of international superstars, Liam Davey from Hawksmoor and Laura Brady uh, out in uh, Amsterdam. She's also a a world-class contender Uh, in 2021. She was uh, a top 10 at world-class. So like the folks that are bringing you this information for free, by the way, uh, are are really expert in their fields and they've got a lot of knowledge to drop on you and you can get it all at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O, baracademy.com. Check it out.
3: And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the stu- studio today, we have Laura Newman. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about this next part because, um, first of all, uh, your new bar is called Neon Moon. And uh, I'm assuming is. that's after the Brooks and Dunn song.
4: My attorney has advised me to not answer that question.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, then, I, I don't know. I'm a big like ch- oh, child of 80s, 90s country music and I uh, and play in country band. So like I was like, Neon Moon. Oh, oh Laura. I am so mad that you took that name. (laughs)
4: Sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a 90s country themed bar, um, which should really be everything you need to know about it. Honestly, um, I don't know if like cocktail bar is at all the term I would use to describe it. Perhaps Redneck Nightclub might be a better name. No, I mean, it's just like, it's (laughs) a super different vibe than Queens Park, Um, but I love that because you know, they're, they're literally around the corner from each other. So it's important that they kind of augment each other rather than, you know, fighting for one set group of guests. Um, but it's, uh, you know, most of our revenue is from like, you know, beer and shot kind of stuff. Um, we have a light up neon dance floor. Um, we have a 40 inch diameter disco ball. Um, wow. we have a, yes please. <laughs> um, but I wanted it to have a cool cocktail program too, because I think, um, you know, it's like the idea that Ryan O'Connor, our general manager is always talking about to the staff. It's, it's a five-star dive bar. Like it's, you know, you can come in and maybe we're not going to be able to make you like, you know, some, like a Clover club or something, but we still want to have really good cocktail options. So um, I made this program that was kind of inspired by some work I did uh, with world-class studios in 2019, making these like bougie uh, sour mixes, basically. And, um, So that's really cool. It's, you know, I'm combining these crazy flavors, but I'm doing all the prep is like on the back end. So for the staff, it's just like a two touch, like bougie sour mix plus base spirit. Um, And then, yeah, just like we're playing a lot of 90s country, Um, (laughs) everyone, the dress code is triple B bands, brands and bolos. Um, Yeah, (laughs) David, I feel like this is right up your alley.
2: (laughs) Uh, bands, brands and bolos. That's hilarious. Um, but I understand what you're saying when you say you want to have a program that's, that's obviously smart and delicious. Um, and you also have a reputation to uphold, right? You won world class, uh, in 2017 and uh, 2018, sorry. Uh, and, and, and then you came in, you won world class USA and then you, you, you were second place in world class globals the same year, right?
4: Yeah. Always a bridesmaid. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, we know about that. I mean,
2: you won one, so that's not always a bridesmaid. <laughs> we we keep getting nominated for Spirited Awards, which we've never won. That's always a bridesmaid.
4: Yeah, I don't next think we could ever do world for the class again. But yeah, next year, yeah, that's the move. Yeah, next
2: year. It's always, there's always next season. Um, so, but you're upholding that reputation of you know this kind of high bar uh, with the cocktails that you're producing, even in a, you know what you've described as a as a dive bar or, or a honky tonk or whatever it is we're calling this thing. I mean, it sounds exciting to me. I would love to come and see it. What's the size difference? You mentioned that Queens Park is relatively small for for at least for Alabama sta- standards. How big is Neon Moon comparatively? like what's the capacity?
4: So Queens Park capacity is like, we say like 98 people, it's that would be aggressive. I don't think it's ever had 98 people in it. But it's about 1000 square feet of room for guests. Um, and like 1700 leasable square feet, I think neon moon leasable square feet is 2500 plus plus a 1000 square foot patio in the back. Um, I would say it's really not that much bigger on the inside than queen's park the configuration is just different like it's one really big room basically and then back of house stuff and then a patio
2: and and what's the capacity over there
4: oh my god if i say the wrong thing i feel like the fire department is gonna come arrest me or something (laughs) um it's bigger definitely bigger of our entire
2: audience i'm not sure the fire department is on the (laughs) (laughs) way. Uh, But you got a big dance floor in there. So people get in there and they have a good time, right?
4: Yeah, there was actually this like really this TikTok video that was shot in there. was like reposted about these places that had like millions of views. It's a guy on this light up neon dance floor holding purses of all the women on the dance floor so they can dance unencumbered by their purses. That was that neon (laughs) dude. That's
2: That's awesome. amazing. (laughs) Um, Now, what I really want to dig into here with you is the fact that you have made it your mission to take care of your team members um, in ways that are, I think what, what we're all headed towards, but you're really ahead of the curve. Can we talk a little bit about how you do your benefits program and what you offer to your teams?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, I think first off, I mean, it, it's very flattering that you're saying like, I'm doing all this like ahead of the curve stuff. I can always do better. That's my first, that's like where I'm always coming from with this is that, you know, no matter what I'm doing, um, I can always do better by my staff. And I'm always trying to come up with ways to make sure that you know, I'm meeting their needs as an employer, but at the same time going kind of beyond just meeting their needs. Um, some of that is just making sure people aren't working more than they need to. Like we kind of try to cap everyone out around 45 hours a week. Um, moving into like benefits. I mean, you know, my husband, uh, mud tell me, um, we kind of got together when we, before we opened Queens park and we were like, what are, things that we wish we'd always gotten from employers that never received. And the first thing we said like at the same time was health insurance. So that's, you know, it's not even groundbreaking, but for a non-corporate like mom and pop business, we have this like amazing health insurance plan um, that includes dental. And everyone gets that after, or they get all our benefits after a 90-day probationary period during which I describe it as dating. And we decide if we like each other, but we do health insurance. Um, we do like... Annual like full staff trips and then annual individual trips for people that are kind of like R&D or event related for them to, especially for a lot of our staff, it'll be like their first time on an airplane. Um, And we'll take them to another city or, you know, some other event. And they'll kind of get to see that, you know, what the cocktail scene is like outside of Birmingham, Alabama, which is always really exciting to watch. Um, We do... Gosh, we actually stopped doing the gym memberships because nobody was taking advantage of it. Um <laughs> <laughs> You can you can lead a horse to water.
1: So at but this point, I guess if someone
4: room. had a gym membership and was like, could show me they were actively using it, I would reimburse them. <laughs> but we ended up canceling that just because it was like, okay, guys, like I can give you something else in place of this that you'll actually use. Um uh let's see. A year um, supply for net. Exactly. Yes. Um That's like a education. gym for your insides. It inks a gym for the bathroom. Um, it, we do an educational reimbursement. So if someone is like, you know, I, I was just speaking actually at the USBG conference um, in Houston about a week ago. And I was like, hey guys, like raise your hand if your employer is paying for you to do this right now. And it was like two people in a room of like 60. And that was crazy to me. Like if our staff are like spending money to like go to a conference or something. I mean, first off, I'm probably gonna be the one that's like, hey, this conference is happening, I'd love to send you to it, but we pay for their travel, like their hotel, their flight, for the cost of doing it. If someone wants to do like, you know, bar five day or some other kind of educational thing, we pay for that and we pay for the travel. Um, I just think that's really, you know, if they're they're bettering themselves as employees of my establishments, I want to make sure that I'm the person funding that. Um, We also do like a big thing for us is like for non tipped employees, hourly take home is like minimum 15 an hour, we do a gas stipend for people that do a lot of driving for their work. Like, I'm just trying to always think of ways that, you know, I can afford to give them really cool benefits that they want, you know, that they look forward to the individual trips and the staff trips, of course, are like, the really like sexy one, but then stuff like, you know, health insurance, dental insurance, um, stuff like that is a little more not cool, but still stuff people want.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I your whole team came up to New York and you had this incredibly detailed itinerary of where you were going and when, all the bars oh, yeah. you were stopping at, all the museums you were going to, all the Yeah, that was like, aggressive. Also, that was folded, our first year. Yeah, <laughs> you folded in, you know, cultural things like museums as well. Um, I I want to I want to kind of come back to like how in a business that is so Tight on margin, you know I run a couple of businesses Damon has a business like we know that it's so tight on margin. How are you finding the funding to do this stuff and and maintain a profitable bottom line?
4: Whew. well, as mud <laughs> likes to say um as mud likes to say, you know that you put you get what you put in and our staff is so good they are just but I'm just so blown away by our current staff right now I mean they are just killing it and they are so passionate and they work so hard and they like you know they could you know move really slowly and like not be great at what they do and they could we could make way less money but the bar makes more money because we have this amazing staff that is like passionate like looks sure. forward to coming into work um another okay. thing i encourage people to do is to actually run these numbers before you before you spend a dime, like, put it in your budget. Like, it's way easier to make this sort of thing work in your budget if it's something you plan for, like, before it's like, okay, health insurance is more important than, like, fancy light fixtures. Like, if you Mm -hmm. kind of think about ways to tie it in in the beginning, it's much easier than, you know, like, in New York, the the example of things people forget about is like soundproofing and it's like someone will open. They're like, Oh shoot. Like there's no soundproofing. It's like, yeah, it's gonna be like 20 grand and they've run out of money for it. So right. they're like, Oh, screw it.
3: Yeah. That's um, happened with grand army. I mean, like we, we've always <laughs> been battling our neighbors because they're like, it's so loud. And then they come downstairs to like talk to us about it. And then we're like, the music's barely on. And it's so much louder up there mm-hmm. than it is in the actual mm-hmm. bar. But mm-hmm. But then also, I mean, like, things like you were mentioning that Birmingham is a very DIY kind of place. It's like, I mean, we did that with Grand Army. We we built our own light fixtures, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And instead of buying, you know, spending all this money on them. So there's lots of ways you can kind of, like, make, make it cool without spending the money.
4: Yeah. I'm also really serious about, like, costing things correctly. I think so many places that I go to in different cities, I'm always like, you're basically, like, paying me to drink this right now. Um you know, considering the fact that they're charging way less than even like, you know, like, like, I guess, net cost or gross cost, excuse me, of like the drink. So that's really important for me too. Um, I know there's a great recording somewhere of Bobby Hugel talking about it at Tails a few years ago, but like costing your drinks correctly and costing everything is so important to us. And so I proudly run at a sub 15% cost for all my cocktails and actually for everything, which I'm, is pretty awesome. So that's a big thing too, like making sure that you're incorporating waste. Uh, like we don't really throw stuff out. Like everything gets incorporated into like punch or frozen drinks or like the juice that's ready to be tossed actually goes into cordials. Um, so we get more life out of it. Like there's so much stuff you can do to make sure that you're not like throwing away money. So we're big on that as well. Well, I,
1: I wanted to ask you this about your, you know, all of these programs that you're saying, which is just, it's, it's hitting so many, good crunchy granola liberal sweet spots for me of like, in, like <laughs> not wasting anything for the environment and like adequately paying for your labor and like providing a good quality of life for your staff. Like I'm, I'm so enamored with it. And I want to ask if you think that this is a replicable model because there was a lot of talk last year from people who were like, I'm not going to bring my bar back until I can provide all of the things that you just talked about for your staff and the amount that it was talked about. And now the amount that it's being done, it's not one-to-one and I, and I get it. I absolutely hundred percent get it because if you have not been generating any revenue for a year, like your first concern is like, we need to get this up and running or my staff is not going to have a place to work. But I guess what I wanted to ask is, are there, ways that people can adjust their thinking in, in places that are, you know, that are not Birmingham, where they can sort of reorient the way they're thinking about their business in any other city to provide all of the things that you're currently providing for your staff.
4: Totally. Um, I'm going to couch what I'm saying first off of two things. One is that, you know, it's much easier, like I said, to do this before you open than to do it afterwards, right? Like it's just it's already budgeted for we've kind of already done the hard part. And then we don't need to like come up with new money or like cut money that we feel like we can't live without. Um, the second thing is, you know, part of moving to Birmingham to open a bar was because I could afford to do things like this here. I don't know. I don't think you could do what we're doing like in New York, for example, in a, in like San Francisco, maybe like, I just don't know if it's possible to offer all the benefits we have. But, you know, I think one thing we noticed during COVID was, people starting to realize they could work remotely, people moving out of these bigger cities and realizing that, you know, these cities are like super dense. Do people actually need to be in them all the time? Like, can you be okay with like just visiting New York a few times a year, but living somewhere else and contributing to a different, smaller community? Um, That being said, I mean, I think from an ownership perspective, like I could drive a really fancy car and I could, you know, I've always wanted a hot tub in my backyard and I don't think that's ever going to happen. But you know, there are these things I would love to have that I go, you know, I, I I make sure I can pay my bills and like, you know, live, but I, you know, there are certain things that I don't have, like, I don't have as much profit as I could from the bars because we do offer these benefits, but ethically, I feel much better being able to offer them. And I think also that you know, I, I don't know if I'd be able to like sleep at night if, and I think I would be much more anxious. I'd have this staff turnover I'd have to be dealing with. It's like the peace of mind that it buys is worth it for me. But I think, you know, maybe for someone who is in another market, that's more expensive thinking about these things. First off, um, just consider the fact that paying um, a lower salary, but providing more benefits, you can write benefits off They're tax write-off. Higher salary is not a tax write-off in the same way. So, um, you know, thinking about how you can you know, provide for your staff, but in a way that actually costs you less is really crafty. Um, you know, if you can't do health insurance, for example, what I've heard of some people doing are having these like accounts, where maybe it's not the same amount they would spend on health insurance for employee, but they it's like, a each person has, you know, I'll spend $3,000 a year per employee on like, reimbursable medical bills or something. That's a great place to start. Or, you know, maybe you can't do two trips a year plus an individual trip, but maybe just one group trip a year. Like, I think that's super cool. Although playing travel agent, you have to enjoy that sort of thing. I think, (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, like, I think it, I think it definitely, Greg, I agree. It really frustrates me seeing these people that were like talking this talk and like mud and I've been doing this for, you know, prior to COVID, we were supposed to speak at, you know, the USBG conferences about this and, you know, it felt like people weren't really listening to us. And then all of a sudden during COVID people were like, oh my God, we need to be doing this, blah, blah, blah. But now we're not seeing people do it. And I don't, you know, I get, like you said, it's like survival mode. It's like getting back on your feet. But at the same time, you know, if you keep putting this sort of thing off, you're never going to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think it, it doesn't come from a place of greed. I think it comes from a place of, of, you know, a little bit of fear. We've all got a lot of things to be wary of after, you know, what we've all just been through and are still going through. And also I think, you know, a little bit of entrenched thinking and kind of like not really thinking outside the box. And like you said, like putting these things into your initial budget for the bar so that then you can maybe realize, Oh, like, you know, I can live without these fancy light fixtures if I am gonna have staff that's with me for years and years and years and years because they have sparkling clean teeth thanks to my dental plan
4: oh my gosh it's so cheap to get fillings here by the way you should just visit for that it's
1: amazing (laughs) so what you're saying is we should all move to either Birmingham Alabama or Des Moines Iowa that's what (laughs) exactly we should do (laughs) leave Des Moines out of this (laughs) (laughs) too late for that (laughs) Souther
2: yeah my constant punching bag I have to imagine that there's a a cost benefit, of course, to what you what you just said. It's retention of staff. I mean, what's your turnover like when you when you offer these kind of things? People tend to stick around.
4: So we do this 90 day thing, and that for us is like we don't do benefits until it's been 90 days because at the end of 90 days we have a meeting with our staff um, or the person we've hired, and we're like, do you like? Are you? It's like that TED talk. Are you saying fuck yeah about this relationship, or or do you not want like? Are you not pumped to come into work every day? Because if you're not, you shouldn't work here. Um, So I think that kind of like weeds out for lack of a better term people that aren't a good fit and aren't going to work with the corporate culture or don't think that you know the expectations we have of the staff which are high are worth the benefits they get and that's fine that's totally fine but we do you know we have a pretty normal amount of retention from that, I think. But once someone is with us, the exception being COVID, I mean, it just burnt a lot of people out. We had a lot of, you know, if someone's going to like make a vertical career move to a position I can't offer them, or if they want to like, you know, be done at 10pm, I can't offer them that. So if they're going to leave for that, it's like, I don't really take that as a slight. And I'm, I support that choice, of course. Um, but yeah, we we have people that, you know, have been with us since pretty much like year, not, maybe like the end of year one, we have our general manager has been with us since then. I mean, people, I think really like working for us because, you know, I'd like to think that we're empathetic employers and we're fun to work for and you get these great benefits. But also I like to think that, you know, we check in with them a lot and we kind of see like, you know, if like I was talking about vertical career moves, like if someone's thinking about leaving, like talk to me about it first, like what are things that we can do to make you happy here? But yeah, no, we have I, I would like to say we have a really good employee retention, which is awesome because training a new employee for us costs like 15 grand. So,
2: Wow. Right. That's a big hit. So it seems to me that you're leaning down a road that's pointing you towards being a more sort of corporate structure in a field that's not typical for that. Uh, do you feel like you're somewhat of a, like a pioneer in that regard? Is, is that where you're going? Are you trying to be more corporate? Uh,
4: yeah, I, I guess like up
2: air quotes. No one can see me. I'm on the radio. <sighs>
4: I feel like corporate is such a dirty word in this industry sometimes, at least it was to me when I was bartending in New York. But yeah, we do take a lot of stuff from corporate, you know, corporate practices that I think really work for us, like the 90-day evaluations. um, Then we have quarterly peer reviews with every single staff member. Our incredible office manager, Meredith, like, like, wrangles everyone and makes this work for us. But you know, we do these things that you wouldn't really see. We have a really intense onboarding. Like we have all of these steps. We have checklists. We have like, you know, multiple meetings just about like corporate culture and what that's like. And we in fact have discussions like that before we even hire someone like in the interview process. Um, Like I like to think of it as like moving, like taking stuff from corporate culture, but at the same time doing stuff that maybe corporate culture wouldn't even do. Like I said, like sharing all of this, like, Inform, like proprietary information basically with people before they're even hired because how do they know they want to work for me if they don't know what that culture is like and what the expectations are and, you know, all those details.
2: Yeah, so I guess my, my sort of final question on this topic anyway would be, uh, when is the book coming out?
4: I don't know <laughs> what I would write a book on.
2: About how to make a bar into a corporate structure that works for everybody uh, involved.
4: I, um, someone told <laughs> mud that we should not do that. And we should just market ourselves as consultants for that. Cause you make more money. <laughs>
2: yeah, that, that's that's true too. Um, I feel like you could, you could probably get away with doing both.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It would kind of get the message out there. I mean, I think it's, it's something I'm definitely passionate about and interested in. And like I said, I'm always trying to be better at this too. Like I'm, I certainly have my shortcomings of, you know, things I could do better for my staff, things that you know, maybe I should be providing them that I'm not thinking of or ways that I can be moving money around differently. But at the end of the day, I really like to think about, you know, how do we provide a place where people aren't, don't just see this as a stepping stone, but they see this as something where they're learning, they're being challenged in different ways. You know, they want to continue working for us. They have great benefits. They can afford to live and afford to do other stuff outside of work. So that's huge for us. Um, But yeah, just how can I keep providing that?
1: and well, I think you touched on something at the beginning there that's that's very important is approaching it with a mentality of okay what don't I know today. You know, I think I think that when people show up to whatever job they're at feeling like they have it figured out like that's that's the day that they you know start to 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 shut down and get burned out. So I think that's yeah. that's important is like showing up and be like okay what what am I going to learn from my staff that they need from me that I can provide.
4: Yeah. No, I think that's huge. I think also for us like you know, our managerial team, that's been a big thing. It's like, how do we have them continue to grow as people and as managers? Like, how do we continue their education, which is going to be kind of different than the rest of the staff's education. Right now, I've kind of, I'm gathering materials to make this little manager book club, which might horrify them. (laughs) But I like the idea of kind of doing some more specialty stuff for our managerial team and like, you know, giving, you know, because I feel like I've been in so many jobs where it was like, you know, I came in to run something and it was like, all right, that's it. Like you're the babysitter. Bye. Like you don't get anything <laughs> kind right. of, you know, I think it's neat to keep people, even when they've reached kind of a higher level in our company to feel like they're still getting something out of this.
2: And that they're engaged. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love the book club idea. I've I've been building a library for overthrow hospitality for all the bartenders to be able to come in and, and check out books. And oh, I love uh, that. Yeah, it's it's start, it's just getting started, but it's going pretty well. We we I decided to do it when we opened up Etheria, which is all tequila and mezcal, and lots of the team that we hired there didn't have a lot of information regarding specifically mezcal, so I, I got yeah. a lot of mezcal books. But now we've opened an absinthe bar, so now I'm getting absinthe <laughs> books, and of course amaro. So we've got you know all the things that are so specific. So I'm just building a library and literally having people check stuff out just like you would uh, at, a, at an actual library, and it's been, been going pretty good so far. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: it's I think it's cool to like see. You know, and then and they come up with ideas, too, which I think is great. I don't know if your staff has, but mine have been like, oh, I loved this one. Like, definitely, like, other people should read this. So,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, that happens a lot at Grand Army, too. I, I have a whole library where people are allowed to uh, check out books. And it's surprising to me that, like, even with the pandemic and people moving away, I got a lot of books mailed back to me. It was a <laughs> full-on honor system. Uh, it was great.
2: Yeah, That's
3: um, awesome. Laura, it's so great to have you on the show. Um it really is. For anyone who does want to hire you as a consultant, um, uh, where where can they find you?
4: Um on social media, my handle is at Laura Falls Down, knock on wood. I haven't had an accident <laughs> in a while. Um, but it has been known to happen. Um and you can also contact me via the bars um at Queen's Park Bham and at Neon Moon Bham. Nice. Um yeah, I think that's probably the best way to start a dialogue. Very
2: cool. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten to the place where that's all anyone says anymore is Instagram, which, <laughs> uh, which seems dangerous and teetering, right? Given what happened a couple weeks ago. I know.
4: Well, it's just—it's just you know, like, do you want me to spell out like a twenty-character email address?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Just your phone number. Um, <laughs> do, do not. Already have number. that. Do do not say your phone number. Um, <laughs> Man, really great having you on. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. I know you're super busy. You're about to fly off to London right now. I um,
4: am. Yeah. Uh,
2: you and Mud, I hope you have a great trip. Um, I'm, I'm super be...
4: pumped for him to meet my family friends. I've been, and for me to see family friends we haven't seen in two years. It's crazy. It's like my bonus moms in Europe are so sad. So I'm excited to go see them.
2: Nice. That's awesome. I look forward to following along your adventures on on your Instagram at Lar Falls Down. Um, and yeah, again, really appreciate you giving us your time today.
4: Well, thank you for having me. I always love getting to chat with you guys. This is, you know, my favorite podcast. And I just think that you guys, <laughs> you radio show. Up. You already speaking. got the job.
0: <laughs> I know. But
4: now I'm just going for round three. I mean, come on. I'm always always keeping the next one in mind. No, but I just, you know, you guys are super professional. And I think it's like, also it's, you know, dirt off my shoulder here. Like, I think my my staff is always really impressed when I do it with you guys. Like other ones they may not have heard of. But like one of our head bartender at Queens Park was like, wait you were on the speakeasy and I was like, yeah, she was like freaking out about it. I felt super cool.
3: Nice. Yeah. Very you cool. are super cool. You are. <laughs> and I can't wait to come guest bartend at neon moon.
4: Oh yeah. man. That's right up your alley, David. And you're going to totally. love it.
3: <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been great having you on the show today. I do want to say something on the way out here today. We yeah. unfortunately lost one of our people this week. And Sachs will be huge, huge heart and influential person in the New York Food and beverage scene. She is a proprietor of Saxleby Cheesemongers. She started her company delivering cheese around New York City on her bicycle. Um, amazing host on Heritage Radio. Just all around great person. Mother, wife to Patrick Martins, who started Heritage Foods and Heritage Radio Network. Huge loss for our community. So we just wanted to say our condolences to the family. The Saxlebys are amazing friends of mine, too. I actually. I actually bartended uh, and created the cocktails for their uh, Patrick and Ann's wedding uh, down in Florida so many years ago. And so it's a big hit to us, but uh, our thoughts are with you, and uh, we'll see you soon. Um, but that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. Till next time, y'all. Cheers. Love ya. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.
2: So, you don't, don't shun the, the devil
1: with your rock, rock and roll. Knows no. that country music's gonna save your soul. The buns oh. is grooving them. Rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna
2: get you signed. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter.